This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 96 of Small Talk. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle Smallman, and here's our other host, Steve Cerruti. Hello, Steve. How are you? Michelle, I'm actually doing great. It's a great day for me. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Roma came back today, my favorite soccer club. We've had EPL soccer for like over a week now. There's soccer games every day. So I am just on cloud nine right now. There's sports on. Things are great. And uh, both my teams got wins, Roma and Everton today. So feeling really good. Shouts out to your teams. And also, Steve, I know you're so incredibly psyched that baseball is back. Super psyched. Actually, I had a tweet, what was it, maybe like a week ago or something about baseball when it was one of the dozens of false alarms of it coming back and it wasn't looking like it was going to come back at that point. And I sort of tweeted out something about my how, how my interest in baseball has sort of taken a nosedive over the past decade. And I actually wanted to talk to you about that on the pod, but I forgot to, tell, to ask you about it last pod. So maybe we talk about it for a second now. Okay. I have the time. Please go ahead. Let me pull up the tweet so I can get it exactly right. But it's one of those things where I feel like I've just sort of struggled to figure out why my interest has just has completely gone away. From like 10 years ago, I was probably a baseball fan, right? I, I was interested in baseball. And here's my tweet that I had. I said, I struggle to pinpoint why my own interest in baseball has fallen off the cliff, but I don't think I'm alone. So, yeah, the sport is poorly run. But its decline has seemed inevitable despite that. How do I go from feeling like watching nine innings is a chore in a decade? I don't have the explanation for it. And you, as someone who is a big baseball fan, who has remained a big baseball fan, what am I missing? What, or do you have a theory as to why people are just kind of bailing on the sport? I know the answer, and I think it's a three-pronged answer. Are you ready? Yes. I genuinely am asking you this. Number one, you were a baseball fan. You weren't a team-specific fan, Correct. You know, I grew up in the Northeast, obviously, in Connecticut, and I was a Red Sox fan growing up, surrounded by Yankee fans, obviously. It's like the hotbed of baseball. I mean, I know you guys in St. Louis have a pretty great one, too, but like in the Northeast, Red Sox or Yankees, you pick one or the other, and then they're like the random Mets fans that nobody cares about. So I did have a team to root for growing up. I played baseball a ton growing up. I played almost year-round growing up. And then, I don't know, I just sort of bailed. I think if you're more of a casual fan rather than a passionate Cardinals fan or Dodgers fan or Yankees fan, it's easy to have that gradual disinterest if you're not so locked in on one specific team. And I think a lot of sports fans out there were like that. They liked baseball. They liked certain aspects of it, but they weren't, hey, I'm tuning in every day to watch this team. I'm not highlighting the schedule and building my day around watching these teams. Number two, Baseball has a major, major star problem. Major. St. Louis, Missouri is, in my opinion, actually it's everyone's opinion, the hotbed of baseball in America. It's the best baseball town in America. We live, eat, breathe, drink, sleep baseball here. It's what we do. We are a sports town. We do the same with the Blues, but we are generationally obsessed with the Mm -hmm. Cardinals, you know? And we follow the Cardinals. We know everything about our team. We know things about our opponents. But I said to... My co-host, Randy Carriker on Carriker and Smallman the other day, when the NFL came out with the video about Black Lives Matter, they had all of their stars, Patrick Mahomes, you had Odell Beckham Jr., etc. You could watch that video and say, I know who this guy is, I know who that guy is. Without them wearing their uniforms, just looking at their faces, you knew who these guys were, right? Yes. Baseball did the exact same thing, and I'm watching the video, and I know who these guys are, and I thought to myself... If I printed out photos of these guys or really of any of the stars in baseball and I walked into a grocery store 
in St. Louis, Missouri, in the biggest baseball hotbed in America, and I showed them pictures of Mookie Betts, of Anthony Rizzo, and of Giancarlo Stanton. I wonder how many people out of 100 in St. Louis could identify who those three guys were. And I bet it's crazy low. I think you're right. I just don't know, like, what is the solution to that? I think there's a reason for that. I think people just aren't that interested. I don't think it's sort of a national sport. To be honest with you, like, with the return of baseball, what's it? You know more than I would. 60 games? Are we 60 games and then a normal playoff setup? Yes, 60 games. That's actually kind of cool. I, I think, think it's going to be great. Cool. I'm not going to watch. Oh, you might. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's going to be wild, and it's such a different feel, and every game is going to matter. I think you might pay more attention than you think, Steve, and I'm really hoping for baseball. But I think the third and most important prong of this argument is the fact that baseball is a slow game. You have to settle into baseball. And we live in an ADD society where if we have to wait in line for something, we can't just wait in line. We have to pull out our phone. We have to be distracted at all times. And baseball is a game of nuance. It's a game of pacing. People don't want to settle in and watch anything anymore. They want the NFL. They want snap, play, end of play, commercial. They want to only have a finite amount of time that they have to pay attention before they can get back to their phones. That's what we do. And so in addition to baseball having stars that aren't as marketable or rather aren't being marketed as much anymore, and you have this huge problem with people not wanting to pay attention for that amount of time, I think you've seen someone like you who became a baseball fan in your youth in the 90s when we didn't have all of this stuff distracting us and you didn't have a team. Also steroids. Yes, also steroids. Um, But you don't have that team you root for every day. You have all these other things distracting you. And if you don't have that specific team to root for, there's not one player in baseball that you would tune in to watch. Not one. In the NBA, we're going to tune in to watch LeBron. We're going to tune in to watch Giannis. In the NFL, I'm tuning in to watch Patrick Mahomes. I'm tuning in to watch J.J. Watt. Whatever the star player may be, you can turn on a game to watch one person. And in baseball... While I tune in anytime Jack Flaherty has the ball because I think he's a star, and while I'll want to watch if it's a a great game that the Cubs are playing the Reds, I just think the average fan is like, why? I don't have time for it. Mm -hmm. All really good points. I think I'll even take it a step further. I think the three things are it's not an event sport, so the games themselves aren't events like they are potentially in soccer or the NFL or college football where it's like, okay, we get one a week and it's like a huge deal. That's one. You're right. The star power is 100% not there. NBA 100% has the star power. And it may not be an event sport. It's got more games, 82 in the NBA. But you're right. You're tuning in to watch those big stars. And I think three, baseball doesn't lend itself to the hot take Twitter society that we're in right now. First take's not leading with some problem with baseball unless it's a systemic societal problem that affects baseball. They're not leading with that the way they are leading with an NFL Sunday or a big LeBron game or any other sport like that. And it's because you're right, it's kind of like a laid back sort of like long play marathon season and there's really no urgency and there's really no reason to get worked up over 162 games. And when the playoffs come, it's just sort of drowned out by the NFL a little bit. So I don't hate, I know you you probably think I hate baseball. I don't hate baseball. I just am not interested in it. But I genuinely am curious about the downfall of the last decade because I went from a kid who grew up playing ball ball, playing in the summers, being obsessed. That was my main sport I played my entire life to Literally, the thought of watching nine innings today feels like a chore, and it kind of blows my mind. But I know we spent a lot of too much time on this already, but uh, it genuinely is interesting to me. What if I give you three reasons to watch the Cardinals, and you watch their first three? I wouldn't even know how. 
How do I even watch baseball? So, like, so you sit on the couch, on? you sit on the couch, you turn on the TV, you find the channel that the game is on, the and then you just let it. Oh, you don't have cable. Well, we can find no, a way. come on. I know, millennial Steve, I know. Well, come on. I have cable because I like to watch my games, regional cable. Shout out Fox Sports Midwest. I like my games called by Dan nice. McLaughlin. You know, you need that hometown feel, of course. But we'll find a way to get you some games. And we'll do this on okay. another pod before the Cardinals' first game. We need to make a pact that if I give you three interesting storylines and three reasons to watch, that you'll watch the Cardinals' first three games of the season, and even if you want to come on here and talk about how boring it was and just shit on it, I want you to watch baseball. Be forced to watch baseball and see if you find it entertaining. You know, what was it? The pod or two pods ago, you had the baseball book club that you wanted me to do. You asked me to read a book. Oh my! God. I don't know which is worse, the thought of reading a book about baseball or actually watching a baseball game. I actually think I'd rather read the book about baseball. Go with the game, Steve. Go with the game. You'll like it. You're right. It would take me less time. You have it. And I could do other things. Yeah. I know that you're watching soccer now, so life is good for you, but just give it a chance. Just give it a chance. I've never watched it NASCAR in my entire life, and I turned it on. I turned it on to watch Bubba Wallace and the storyline there. So if I give you a storyline yeah. for you to be invested in, even if it's for one game, just look at it as a work assignment. Okay. I could do that. I'll agree to that. That shouldn't be too hard for me. It shouldn't be that much of a chore. I mean, the problem is I just kind of feel like the ship has sailed. My mind is made up, but we'll see. I'll give it a shot. Go on open-minded, and if at the end of the games you're like, that was torture, I am bored, I hate <laughs> that I spent two and a half, three hours of my night watching this game, say so. You know, because we all know my perspective. I love the Cardinals like a family member. And even as disgusted as I am with baseball, when I found out that they were coming back, I was like, all right, we're back. We are back. I am ready to go. Whereas I think your opinion on this matter is actually way more valuable. And I would love for you to do the science experiment because I think a lot of people are not like me and that they're done with baseball because of all this infighting. And so I wonder if the product itself is good enough to bring those people back and you're going to be the litmus test. Okay, you know what? To put a bow on this, I actually think I have a great idea. You okay. know what we should do? What? You and I should set up a Twitch channel, and we should watch the same game at the same time and just do like a live a live show during the baseball game and just have conversations about it. Because I think actually that would be interesting. Let us know if people could listen to that or watch that first and foremost. But I think having you there with me to talk things through, yeah. people would like that. I think it would be fun. But I don't know how to do Twitch. so I'll figure it out. Don't worry about the technical stuff. Okay, you figure out how to Twitch. I'll figure out how to get you the local St. Louis broadcast. Deal? Good, good. Yes. Okay. Yeah, deal. we'll get a bootleg stream going. I mean, we'll figure it out some way. Well, Steve, I'm glad that you are happy and that life is going good for you because your girl has been struggling the past couple days. Can I explain several things in my life that have gone awry? Yes. First of all, I am dealing with allergies in a major way. You can probably hear it in my voice. It's much better than it was yesterday or the day before, but... This has happened to me the past couple years where every time, beginning of summer, my allergies go bananas and then I lose my voice because I have a very delicate voice, as everyone knows. And this is bullshit, Steve. I should not have to deal with new allergies later in life. Adult onset allergies should not be a thing. As an adult, you have enough stuff going on that you shouldn't get new allergies in life. It's the worst and so now I have to go get the test where they figure out what I'm allergic to. My dad thinks it's probably grass pollen, which will totally suck. And, you know, I wake up 
And my sinuses are going crazy. And I'm like, oh, great. Do I have COVID? And then I have to call my cousin, who's a doctor, to come over and check me out. And she's like, you have allergies, idiot. No, take some Claritin and you're going to be fine. And she was right. So shout out Claritin. But I just, I know there's probably a lot of people out there that are dealing with this too. And just know that I'm with you. We're in the same camp here. I would go so far to say that allergies, especially seasonal allergies, especially pollen allergies in the summer and spring, is so much worse than the common cold is in the fall or the winter. I would rather have a cold than have allergies because allergies are debilitating in some ways. So bad. You go outside and you can't even open your eyes or you're completely stuffy. Your sinuses feel like they're going to explode. That is terrible. Now, I have luckily, I used to get bad allergies when I was younger. I don't get them as much anymore, which is thankful. But again, it's one of those things where like you can just randomly develop an allergy to something to the point where, I don't know if I told you this, but my dog, Mumford, who we love dearly, but he is allergic to everything on earth. And around the time that he turned three years old, which was last summer, he just started biting and licking his paws or whatever. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Why is he all of a sudden just itchy all the time? Took him to the vet. And turns out he is literally allergic to everything. He's allergic to people. He's allergic to grass. He's oh allergic to, like, most meats, all poultry. And all of he just developed these allergies out of nowhere. And the same thing could happen in humans where he just developed this random allergy. How insane is that? That's so wild that you can just be at 30-whatever years old and you just develop this crazy allergy to some sort of pollen or grass or whatever that you never had for your whole life. That, to me, is insane. It's insane. And I am dealing with it. But thankfully, I am going to a place and they're going to test me and figure it out. And I hope that it's one hyper-specific thing that I can be aware of and that it's not like Mumford where they're like, hey, you're allergic to like 30 things. So this is going to suck for you. Yeah, he has to get a monthly shot. So hopefully you're not there. But uh, oh, Mumford. It's, it's like, I know. He's fine. Don't worry. He's fine. Okay. The, the shots work. They're great. I'm just amazed at how this can just develop out of pretty much nowhere to the point where you're debilitated because you're allergic to everything that's outside. Oh my God, the pressure in your sinuses. And that's how my cousin was like, are your eyes itchy and watery? I'm like, yes, they are. And she's like, it's allergies, come on. And your eyes are itchy. There's few things that are allergy or cold related than when your eyes are irritated. So it's one thing if it's your sinuses or you're sneezing or you got to blow your nose, like, all right, you know, it sucks, but it's fine. If your eyes are constantly itchy, there is no remedy for that. Plus, did you know, um, I know that you could do eye drops. I am actually definitely scared Definitely afraid, I should say, of uh, of eye drops. I cannot physically put eye drops in my eye. It freaks me out. Stop it. Yep, can't do it. Can't so do it. what do you do if you need to use some Visine? Like, what do you do? Just not use I, it? I don't. I literally just don't do it, and I deal with it. What if you had I, an I, eye infection I, and you needed to use the drops? We have not crossed that sort of bridge yet, but if it happened, I would imagine I would just suffer through it, and my body would just figure it out. This is so shocking because you are so whatever, just do it, get it over with. This is not a big deal, guy. Yep. That I cannot believe you have a phobia of eye drops. There's got to be a fancy word for that. Yeah, I cannot look up and have a droplet go into my eyes. I've tried it for many years. I'm 31 years old. My entire life, I, I just have not been able to do it. And whenever I have eye issues, I just deal with it. I literally just suffer through it. It sucks, but I don't know. I don't know how. Like, I would need someone to tape my eyes open and do it for me and hold my limbs back so I couldn't close my eyes with my hands. I would need that to happen. I would literally need to be restrained in a hospital bed for you to put eye drops in my eyes. Sarudi suffers from omedophobia. You heard it here first, people. Yep. That's what it's called. Omedophobia. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I don't like things touching my eyes. It's gross. I just don't like it. Is that your biggest phobia in life? I really don't like snakes, but I don't really encounter snakes very often, so... I don't know, but I think as far as normal tasks, that is probably the number one thing that I just am afraid of. I don't even know if it's a fear factor thing. It's just I physically cannot do it. My body will not let me do it. 
So I also am crazy afraid of snakes, but my big thing that I hate is I hate needles. Hate, hate, hate oh, needles. Oh, really? Hate them. I don't think anybody likes needles, but no, but to you, wear, like, you freak out when you go to the doctor and you have to get a shot. I have to psych myself out. I need someone there as moral support. You know how sometimes they do one, two, three. You cannot give me a one, two, three. You just have to do it. I will definitely. Go on two. I'm definitely going to cry, even as an adult. It's not even that it's that painful. It's just I envision it in my mind, the needle going through the, oh, I can't even talk about it, going through the skin, and it just does something to me. I hate it. So I know there's so many good citizens out there that give blood and donate blood. I always wish that I could do that. But the thought of, I see, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up even thinking about it. The thought of sitting there with a needle in my, oh, my God, I'm going to vomit. A needle in my arm and a bag of blood next to me, no chance, unless it was a literal life or death situation. I wish I could, and so I could help my fellow man, but it's just, oh, my God. Two things. You better hope you don't need allergy shots because that'd be a bummer. I know. That's why I don't even want to do the test. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're afraid of the unknown. You never know. You might have to have monthly allergy shots. Oh, my God. I know. Um, I have a friend, a girlfriend, who also was crazy afraid of needles. She had it so badly to where if she had to get a shot or something, she would pass out. And she had three kids, and... Obviously, when you have a baby, lots of needles involved. You're getting blood drawn. You've got the whole situation working at the hospital. Before her first baby, before she had her first baby, she got hypnotized. And she said it worked to where she wasn't afraid of needles anymore. I'd be afraid of being hypnotized. I don't think I would like that very much. But the other thing I remembered was um, I've always never been afraid of blood. Cuts don't really bother me. Surgery, stuff like that, seeing open wounds, that doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is when bones are broken and going, the limbs are going the wrong way. I can't see that. Like the Alex Smith injury. Kevin Ware. Oh, Kevin Ware. Exactly. Stuff like that where you've got the limb that's going away that it shouldn't or a bone is sticking out. That stuff genuinely makes me nauseous. So I don't worry about blood, but if there's a bone popping out, I will maybe vomit on Does anyone, unless you're a doctor or in the medical field, not want to vomit when you see a bone popping out of someone's limb? No, some people love seeing that stuff, especially on Twitter, the Alex Smith thing when his leg broke in half. I don't know what it's called, but it's not pleasure. I don't think they necessarily enjoy the fact that the person is injured, but it doesn't weird them out that his leg is sticking out the wrong way, where for me... I haven't even seen the Alex Smith injury that I'm so I'm so scared of it. I saw the Kevin Ware one because I saw it live, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen the Joe Theismann one. You know, that thing gets played over and over again because it's probably the most historic one. What else? There's the Marcus Lattimore knee injury when he was at South Carolina. Like, that stuff? Ugh. Ugh. No way. Vomit on the spot. Hard, hard pass. All right, Steve. Well, the other reason why I've been having a rough few days, in addition to my newfound allergies— it's because I've been getting absolutely torched by members of New Saruti Land on social media, <laughs> Twitter and Instagram about my pick for Illinois in the small talk state draft. Yeah, rightfully so. Actually, not rightfully so, because I do have a lot of people who hit me up being like, Illinois, criminally underrated, great pick, and I'm going to defend myself here in a second. But I will say this. Your East Coast bias folk definitely made their voices heard and definitely do not appreciate Illinois and all its glory and definitely think Massachusetts is better. And yes, I read the mentions. I didn't respond because I don't have the time (laughs) to explain to you how incredibly wrong you are. So in looking at the draft and how it went down, I don't love that I have most of the Northeast. I don't like the way that turned out. It's just kind of how my big board went down. But the idea that you think Illinois is underrated at number four 
is insane. It's actually insane. I will concede to you that I may have overdrafted Massachusetts a little bit, but I don't think it's that drastic of an overdraft. Illinois at four, in no way possible, is underrated. Illinois, I think I had it as a fringe top 10, probably like around 10 as far as states go. And I always knew you were going to take it before I did, so I almost didn't even put it on my board because there was no point. But number four, you could have taken Illinois at probably 15 or later, and I still don't think I would have taken it. Which is insane. And let me explain why. It's absolutely crazy. You're devaluing the great state of Illinois. First of all, while most people say New York City is the greatest city in the world, a lot of people are turned off by New York. Chicago is easily the second best city in America, and in a lot of people's opinions, the best city in America. And when Chicago is on the board, you take Chicago. And the rest of the state, Steve, not a liability. You have one of the best college towns in America in Champaign-Urbana, home of the Fighting Illini, shout out. It was the number one party school in America when I went there, so that's all you need to know. The rest of the state, also not a liability. You have good hiking down south. You have nice people. You have the history of Illinois. Steve, do you understand that Illinois is groundbreaking? It's the home of the ice cream sundae. Do you understand that we have such great agriculture? The industry of agriculture in Illinois is so rich. They have nearly 80% of the state's land area is devoted to agriculture, okay? My people are getting fed. Also... This is for you, Mr. I love fall. I love foliage. I love everything having to do with a crisp November day. Did you know that more than 85% of America's pumpkins come from Illinois? So actually, we own fall. Illinois owns fall. Hold on a second. First off, I don't even like pumpkin. Pumpkin's gross. Pumpkin pie, gross. Pumpkin spice, gross. So that's the one thing about fall that I genuinely don't like because pumpkin spice anything is super overrated. Get it out of my face. I don't even care about your pumpkin exportation or 70 whatever percent. I don't, I'm not interested. 85%. Two, 85%? Illinois, I have plenty of foliage states. I don't need Illinois. I don't need Illinois for that. The only reason I'm taking Illinois is because of Chicago, right? And you want to talk about history and ice cream cones or whatever the hell. You're going to sit here and tell me that Illinois and their ice cream cones is going to out history the state of Massachusetts, home of the Boston freaking Tea Party, Paul Revere, the American Revolution. Get out of here with the history factor. One of the reasons I took Massachusetts that high is because I love American history so much, especially Revolutionary War history, and there really is no better state, maybe in the entire Union, than Massachusetts when it comes to the American Revolution. So get out of here with history. I'll give you the fact that Chicago is a better city than Boston. It is. I don't think the gap is that big, even though I'm not a huge Boston guy. But yes, I think Chicago is a great city. Is it number two after New York? Uh, I've only been there once, so it's hard for me to say, but I would pick D.C. over that. There are a few cities I would take over Boston, even though I'm sorry, over Chicago, even though I think Chicago is a good city. But all those reasons you just laid out for me, you're making the case for why Massachusetts is the better state. Okay, Boston Tea Party, I see you that, and I raise you. Illinois was the first state to ratify the 13th Amendment and abolish slavery, okay? Abe Lincoln, we were (laughs) leading the fight on the right side of history. So if we're actually talking about important history, Illinois is right there with Massachusetts. And I think probably the most important factor in all of this, again, I chose a lot of states based on the temperament of the people that live there. In Illinois, everyone is nice. You go walk your dog, people wave hello. They say, hey, I love your yard. You're really keeping up your yard very nicely. How was your daughter's soccer game today? In Massachusetts, people are literally called Massachusetts. Assholes because they are not nice people. They are angry. They are not friendly. They love their teams. They have passionate sports fans. And all they want to do is rip the teams. I just can't even. I can't even. There's really no comparison for me. And I'm glad that you took Massachusetts because I have no interest in it at all. I think there's a case to be made 
And I'll even concede the fact that we both overdrafted Massachusetts and Illinois. But you, the fact of the matter is you took Illinois at four, which was the by far and away the biggest overdraft in no. the entire draft for certain. And I will rest my case. I'll go to my grave thinking that. Well, you can. And we actually put out not that specific question, but we put out a question to the fans, to our listeners, to our small talk community to say, hey, who won the draft? And you tweeted out the poll, and then I was like, okay, I'm retweeting it, but the Saruti squad is going to jump on and vote for Saruti. So I also conducted an independent poll of my own on Instagram. Steve, would you like to hear the results? Uh, Yes, I would like to hear the results of your incredibly biased poll on Instagram. Well, no, I'm going to include your incredibly biased poll on Twitter as well. Which one would you like to hear first, yours or mine? Uh, well, I know I'm looking at mine right now, which you, by the way, retweeted. So you also got your side of the fan base. You got the Midwestern people involved and you won that 58 to 42 percent, which, listen, those 58 people, I respect them. Thanks for listening to the show. You're just wrong. But what is the result of the Instagram poll? Because I imagine it's far worse since I didn't even I didn't share that. So none of my people were able to vote. Why didn't you share it? I don't think that's how polls work, is it? I don't know. But on Instagram, I don't know. You You're the Instagram your person. I don't know. Well, I posted the great graphic that you made that showcased all of the states in Smallman and all of the states in New Cerutiland. And I just said, which country would you rather live in? And here are the results. All polling stations are checking in here. 37% of people who hit the polls would like to live in New Cerutiland. And 63% of people want to live in Smallman. So I rest my case. I rest my case. I have a theory, though, as to why that's the case. And I'll admit, New Cerruti Land is not perfect. We'll get to this in a second because I have a trade proposal for you. I really want Ooh, one of these So we'll see if we can work something out. Okay. But I think when people look at the map, and that's specifically the one I tweeted out, the blue and yellow one, where you're in yellow, you occupy just a ton of land area, which I think that's why people look at that and go, oh, my God, Michelle like, is dominating this draft. They ignore the fact that I have both Hawaii and Alaska and I don't have nearly as, I mean, you probably have two-thirds of the square footage of the square mileage of the entire geography of the United States. And I think that is pretty intimidating to look at, so people instantly just think, oh, Michelle won the draft. But you have so many useless states in Smallman, so many states that I don't even want any part of. You've got Montana, Wyoming, Nevada, Arizona, Kansas, South Dakota, Minnesota, Okay, you're so right. I don't want any part of of any of those states. And yes, they make up a ton of landmass, but I I think it's just intimidating to look at because Smallman is huge, but I don't want any of that mass. Let's not say Smallman is huge, okay? Smallman takes up some serious space. You got to admit that. I know, but... More is not better. Let's not say that either. Let's just say the country of Smallman is robust. Let's not just say Smallman is is low-key thick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the country of Smallman is sneaky thick. (laughs) Double C. Meanwhile, Saruti is a slim fit t-shirt, which I mean, I guess that fits in. You know what? I think it does make more sense for my country to be thick because I like a big boy. And <laughs> you for, you, for you, who is, is a slim guy, to have smaller mass. Actually, wow, yeah. that is crazy that our countries right? personify our physique preferences. They do. They do. So I think when people look at that, they instantly think that you dominate because you have more landmass. I truly believe that theory is true, but I think I have way more impactful states in New Saruti land. But do we want to get to the trade stuff? Because I, I, there is yeah. one state that I need, that I want. Okay. And I don't know if you're going to give it to me because it it's a nice state. I mean, go for it. Let's hear what you got. The problem is there's four states that I, ideally that I would really want 
of everything in Smallman. That's Tennessee, Colorado, South Carolina, and Texas. Well, I mean, obviously I want California, but there's no trade that you're going to give me probably that I would even give you that's going to allow you to trade California to me, I imagine. So we're going to take that one off the board. I also don't think you're going to trade me Colorado because as much as I like Colorado, I'm just not going to give up a ton for it. You took it really high in the draft, so I'm going to stick away from that one as well. Texas, same kind of situation as California. I just don't think there's enough that I have to trade for Texas. I think I'd have to probably give you way too much to get Texas, and I don't want that. And then South Carolina, the other one, I already have North Carolina. Do I want South Carolina? Yes, but I already have North Carolina, so I'm not going to get both Carolinas. The one state that I want from you, Michelle, that I could see, let's see if we could barter here a little bit, is I want the state of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Nashville, music scene, hot chicken, but most importantly, whiskey. I feel like I need Tennessee And I think I have a solution for you to what you need because your country is really lacking in the Northeast and it's really lacking in sort of the mid-Atlantic area outside of New Jersey and Delaware, which aren't even good states. So what do you think about trading me Tennessee for Maryland? And now Maryland, you get to share D.C. with me, which is to me one of the best cities in America. I love D.C. Crab cakes, Chesapeake Bay. You get some diversity in your geography with the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic region. And you could also take another state, maybe in the Northeast, if you want. Or even I'm, I'm willing to throw in another state and do a two-for-one deal here just to get Tennessee. So what do you think about that deal? You're willing to throw in another state, you say? Yes, because I know Maryland for Tennessee is not a fair swap. Tennessee is a better state, even though I think Maryland is a really good state. But I'm willing to part with it and another state that you name to get Tennessee in New Cerruti Lane. Would you give me... Maryland and Washington for Tennessee. Uh, I can't give you Washington because it's the only state I have on the West Coast. I can't give you my, my only West Coast state. Would you give me Maryland and Vermont for Tennessee? Oh, my goodness. And for those who don't know, Steve went on the ESPN radio <laughs> affiliate in Vermont to talk about his pick for Vermont and how much he loves the state. I did. I did, and they were really pumped that I took him at 21. And I love the state of Vermont. I genuinely do. And as much as I appreciate them having me on, shouts out to Brady Farkas, I think that's a deal that I could make. I think that's a deal I could make. I already have New Hampshire, which is similar to Vermont. I would say Vermont's a better state, but New Hampshire's similar. I already have Maine. I would do that deal. Maryland and Vermont for the state of Tennessee. You would make that trade? I'm pulling up the map here. Let me see. Right now, all you have in the Northeast in New England is Rhode Island. And I would argue that Rhode Island might be, I mean, it's not a terrible state, but you need more representation in New England. New England is amazing. It's where the, a big chunk of the original 13 colonies, incredible foliage. Rhode Island's not really a foliage state Steve, either. I know you have Illinois, which you think is so great. Steve, we get care. it. Steve, we get it. You like foliage. I do. I mean, I've definitely went overboard with the foliage, but I like what I like, Michelle. Let me be me. But I'm willing to part ways with Vermont because I have too much of a stranglehold on the Northeast, and I need to get west a little bit. I think Tennessee's a state I need in my union. Okay, so... As I mentioned, during the draft, when we went to Vermont, I very much liked it. And we went in the fall. And I will say, Steve, the foliage was amazing. We did some leaf peeping. Crazy beautiful. And beers, cheese, ice cream. Great state. Yeah. Isn't Ben and Jerry's from there? Ben and Jerry's, Vermont. There there you go. Okay. So I got some ice cream work in. And Maryland, crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. That's what Maryland does. You know what? It's a fair trade. I'm going to accept your trade. And as much as I love Tennessee, and as much as I think that was a good value pick by me, the more I thought about Tennessee, yes, I know that you want the whiskey, but I've got Kentucky. I've got the bourbon trail. Exactly. And that's why I knew that you didn't need both. And I felt like you would be willing to give up Tennessee. So 
you know, you've got the bourbon whiskey uh, in, in Kentucky. I need some whiskey in Tennessee. And then I also want Nashville because we both like the music scene in Nashville as well. But I feel like I needed to expand further west and you needed to get to the northeast. I feel like I fleeced you, Steve, because in addition to the booze that I don't need coming out of Tennessee, while I love Nashville, every time I've gone there, I've liked it a little bit less, a little bit less. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Yes, there's Broadway and the bar scene and the music is really fun. If you go to a Preds game, it's a blast. But... Every time you go to Nashville, there's more and more people. It's more difficult to get around. And every time you go, all it is is bachelorette parties. Everywhere you go, girls in sashes, girls in matching T-shirts, crying on the street, vomiting everywhere. A girl saying, we got to get her out of here. It's going to be okay. Call an Uber. And you know what? As someone that has passed that stage of my life, I don't want to deal with it. So, yeah, I will trade you Maryland and the D.C. area and the chill people of Vermont. And you have to deal with the messy, sloppy bachelorette. So enjoy it. Uh, It is a downside. Listen, it's definitely a con. It's a red flag for sure. But I'm willing to overlook that to get the whiskey and to get everything else that comes along with the state. I also get Memphis, another great music scene, barbecue. I'm okay with giving up what I'm giving up to get Tennessee because I think it's that important. And I think it rounds out New Land to the point where I think it's perfect. I don't even think I need to do anything else. So my initial trade proposition for you, and see if you like this one better, was going to be Washington and Michigan for Tennessee. I wouldn't have done that. One, because as I said before, Washington, I cannot give up the only state I have on the West Coast. And I think Washington is the second best state on the West Coast. I think you took Oregon too high. And then Michigan, I actually sneaky think Michigan is an underrated pick by me. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, D- Detroit, not great. But as I mentioned, ton of lake area, Ann Arbor, great college town. I'm actually pumped about Michigan, and there's no way I would have given you both of those. I might have traded you one of those. I might have traded you Michigan, say, and I would have swapped maybe Michigan and Maryland or something. But no, I wouldn't have done that for Tennessee. I think our trade was fair. I actually like the trade for your end and my end. I know. It really is a win-win deal, as they say. Okay, I had one more that I was going to propose to you. I don't think you're going to do it, but I was going to see if you would take Indiana and Delaware for Virginia. Oh, my God. What? 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 <laughs> what? First off, Virginia is a great state. I can't even believe I got it at 25. It seems like a steal. And I want nothing to do with either Delaware or Indiana. Two absolute nothing states to me. I don't even know what's in Indiana other than Notre Dame and definitely don't care about that. Uh, Shouts out to Tom Reese. Sorry, I love you, Tom Reese. But I just, Notre Dame doesn't do it for me. And then Delaware, I don't even, Delaware is like the less cool version of the Jersey Shore. No way, no chance. And Virginia is a good state. That's a really good state. You literally just offered me like two random relief pitchers for like my best starting pitcher. It was kind of a DeAndre Hopkins deal, but it was. it was a DeAndre Hopkins deal, but you need some more Midwest. Indiana gives you that, and it has a bigger city in Indianapolis, and then Bloomington and South Bend, two good college towns, plus Delaware, Mid-Atlantic Coastal Charm, and we know you love those Northeast states, so I thought maybe you'd no, like Delaware. Can't do it. I w- it would take a lot for me to give Virginia. When looking at this again and then seeing that I took them at 25, I actually probably would have taken it earlier, so... I understand why you would want Virginia, but it's got you got to give me way more than that to get it. And I don't even know what I would want. Since I've already got Tennessee, that's off the table. I'm looking at your state. I don't need South Carolina. I don't want Minnesota. I definitely don't want New Jersey. I don't want Arizona. You're not going to give me Missouri. Uh, I don't need Kentucky now that I have Tennessee. Wyoming. Like I'm just looking at your states, and I don't think I, I don't really think I need any of those states. 
I'm pleased with the trade. As much as I was pumped about my Tennessee pick, I think I'm getting more value here. And I am diversifying Smallman a little bit. And like I said, the more I marinated on Nashville, the infrastructure of the city is not currently built for the overwhelming yeah. amount of people that are there. And it's become a problem. You're selling high. Yeah. And I just, I think that you're in for, uh, for more work than you're anticipating. That might be a savvy move by you. I think it is. I think it is, honestly. Because I was there a couple months ago. I'm telling you, every time I've gone, which has been probably once every six months for the past few years, the charm has worn off a little bit. I could see why you think that. I'm willing to look aside some of the warts. Honestly, this is mostly for whiskey. Nashville is just an added bonus for me. I needed, uh, as it was pointed out to me, I don't have very many alcohol states. Yeah. Um, although I do have Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Peachy, former, uh, one of our former bosses, pointed that out to me, which is actually a really good point. But I don't really care about beer that much, even though I already had Milwaukee, like I said. But I do care about whiskey, and getting Tennessee is the main reason I really wanted Tennessee. Also, you do realize the beer that you're getting in Milwaukee is not good, right? Like, what, Milwaukee's best? Come on. Miller Lite? Oh, uh, that's the, wait, that's the, I guess that makes sense. That's a really stupid thing thought by me. Miller? Yeah, I'm not a big Miller Lite guy. But listen, Miller? I'm not a big beer guy to, in general. Much rather drink whiskey. For all the people that live in New Cerruti Land, they're excited that we have Milwaukee. Between St. Louis and Milwaukee, St. Louis is clearly like the beer capital of, this, of the United States. The world, States. of the world. Of the world, okay. Is Milwaukee two? Because I could live with number two. I could live with the second best beer in the entire world. Milwaukee is a great beer town. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any. I mean, someone say Germany is probably a decent beer area. But, yeah, Toberfest. Um, where, unfortunately, we're not drafting countries, which we may do at a future date. I think we should. And we said everybody was checking in and they were hazing me about my Illinois pick. Everyone was voting in the polls. Thank you to everyone that sent in your opinions. It was actually very fun to see everyone's stance on this. Of course, I was getting a ton of messages saying, oh, you won this by a landslide. I'm embarrassed for Saruti's picks. And I was like, I agree. I even retweeted some of my favorite burns, Steve, Mm. for you. Did you see that? I did not, but it's also funny because uh, I had many people telling me that you got destroyed and that I won it in a landslide. So I think this is just, you know, you're picking whatever side you're on. It's okay. Um, It's okay. And I, you know what? I understand why people think you won, but I am very happy with New Surety Land. Other than getting Tennessee, in which we've made that deal, I wouldn't change a thing. Here's the tweet. It says, Saruti's New England elitism cost him this draft. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the way the draft fell for me. Like, I had my big board, I stuck to it, and I had a lot of those states high, and you didn't. Don't you feel like if this was an actual draft, like if this was the NFL draft, the next morning, that would have been a headline? So Rudy's New England elitism cost him this draft. My yeah, co- like my column. Bill Belichick taking a bunch of white receivers. Yeah, as you pointed out, like that's co- what that was. And you know, listen, some of them are probably going to turn out to be great. Some of them won't. But that's what I do. I stick to what I know. Well, it was very fun to get so much social media interaction for this because the last time I got this much social media interaction is when I accidentally hashtagged BBC on a tweet. <laughs> I told you about that, uh, right? Which was incredible. I told you about that, right? Yes, which was incredible. But please, well, I saw, oh I saw it too, which was unbelievable. And only you would turn somehow, what was it, Baseball Book Club? The Baseball Book Club. Baseball Book Club. BBC and create some sort of shitstorm on Twitter that everybody was laughing at. First off, did you know what that was? Or are you completely oblivious to what that was? So I know what the actual thing is, but I didn't know the hashtag. I didn't know the shorthand was BBC. I didn't know when people referred to that, that they were talking about BBC, and so we had been talking... Did you click on the hashtag? Did we see some unfortunate images? How did that go? Here's what happened. So 
Randy Carricker, my co-host, and I. This is when baseball was still being total idiots, and they were fighting, and we were very concerned that we would not have a baseball season. And in St. Louis, we got to talk baseball on the radio. So I came up with the idea to start a baseball book club. We would— Great idea. Yeah, we could do a segment on it. People could read along. We could give different— Temp polls as to when you would have different chapters read as to not rush everybody. And when we were texting about it, we didn't hashtag it, but we used the shorthand BBC so we didn't have to type out Baseball Book Club the entire time. So it had gotten down to four different candidates for the Baseball Book Club. And I am on the air while this is happening. Randy says, put up a poll so the listeners can get involved and they can vote on which book they want to be the inaugural book in the BBC. And I said, great. So I'm typing it literally as we're on the air. Here are the four choices. Please vote below. Thanks. And then I just hashtag BBC because I thought, hey, if we continue this, people can click on the hashtag and they can see everyone who's who's tweeting about this. It'll be a community. Immediately, Steve. Immediately. I have like 13 responses being like, oh, Baby, no. What are you doing? Do not hashtag <laughs> BBC. And I'm like, oh, like the like the British news. Yeah, that was dumb of me. Of course. Mm, I don't want to hashtag nope. BBC. Not that. And then someone was like, I would suggest you delete this immediately. And we go to commercial <laughs> break and I click on it. And I was unprepared for what I was going to see. And so then I had to delete it, put up a new poll, and then I just simply tweeted, today I learned not to hashtag BBC, and let's just say everyone laughed at me for a long time. But I felt like I had to address it because I had to remove the tweet and then re-put up a new one without the hashtag. Then, Steve, I had to go to my boss, and I had to be like, hey, so I hashtagged this from my work computer, and I clicked on the link from my work computer, so if you get any notifications that some NSFW material has come on my computer. You know why. And he laughed at me for a good five minutes. He's like, you have got to be kidding me that you hashtag BBC. You didn't know that? I'm like, here's the better question. None of my girlfriends knew about BBC. I asked all of them in several group texts. I said, if I said hashtag BBC, would you know what that means? And all of them were like, British news. Every dude that I've ever known in my entire life reached out and they're like, oh, girl. BBC. You can't be doing yeah. that. So my question to you, uh, Steve, is why do so many okay. dudes know about BBC? Because um, dudes are just weirder than, I don't know. So if I had to pick of all of my friends of which one would accidentally use the BBC hashtag and be oblivious to it, you would be pretty high at the list. I really believe that. Because you would just innocently do that, which makes it even funnier. But I don't know. I just think dudes are like a little bit more perverted in that way. So their mind, I think, goes to the gutter a little bit more. Um but that's my only explanation. Like, I don't really have a, a great one. But the idea that you did that, and I wish that I saw it in real time because I, I would have immediately retweeted it and laughed at it because it's hysterical. But it is genuinely one of the funniest things that happened that could happen on social media is you accidentally hashtagging BBC and starting some sort of weird perverted thing. And all of a sudden, these random accounts start following you that are like, you know, lewd, shall I say? Yeah. So, as funny as it is, it's an innocent mistake by you. I'm really glad it happened because it's one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Yeah. One guy that I know texted me and he was like, you are so naive and cute. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just think about things in a very practical way. In my mind, thinking about baseball, I'm thinking, okay, shorthand, this is easy. You know what I mean? It was a mistake by me. And now I'm aware of all sorts of hashtags I can't use, Steve. People helped me out. They're like, avoid this and this and this. And I'm like, noted. I will avoid them. Thank you very much. 
To your point, though, BBC is used for more than just that. You're right, the British Broadcasting Company, speaking of soccer, like Juventus, their back three in their defense was Benucci, uh, Barzagli, and Chiellini. They were literally called BBC. Right. And, like, I don't know why that doesn't get sexualized, but the first thing, I mean, anytime you hashtag BBC on Twitter, bad things are going to happen. I mean, let's be honest. The worst of humanity comes out on Twitter, so I imagine whenever BBC comes out, it's going to be terrible. But I just love that you're innocently trying to talk about baseball and you, and you like, accidentally start with this massive sex ring. I wish you didn't delete it, though. That would have been funny. You should have kept it. Well, I was worried, Steve, that I would get fired if I was hashtagging BBC about something to do with the show. No way. Innocent mistake. Come on. It's 2020, Steve. If anything, it brings more pub to the show. All of a sudden, people are like, whoa, what's going on here? An entirely new demographic is reading Three Nights in August about Tony Larissa. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I know. People that had no idea about baseball are all of a sudden really interested in it. I know. Michael Jr. responded to me. He's like, oh, small man. And I was like, I was just trying to get people to read baseball books. Anyway. He tried. The effort was there. Are you now concerned about box to box? So I had initially thought about that when we first called the show that years ago. But let's be honest, like box to box is not like a sexual term. Whereas like BBC is first and foremost a sexual thing, <laughs> period. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a stretch to go box to box. Like, I know what you're saying. There's no stretch with BBC. It is what it is. I would have never even taken box to box down that path, Steve, if I didn't have my BBC blunder. And now your mind is permanently in the gutter on this stuff. So no, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. Well, and then all these guys that I know are texting me and they're like, do you know what this is? And I'm like, no. And they're like, look it up on Urban Dictionary. And I realized there's... Like what? Give an example. Oh, okay. One of them was like chili dog. Do you know what that is, Steve? I don't, but I mean, I feel like in college, there was always like a deep dive into uh, into Urban Dictionary to find new terms that you could just add to your lingo. I don't know if I'm familiar with that one, but maybe remind me, or I don't know. This is a, I don't know if we want to go down that. I am never going to ever speak the words of what it is. It is foul. But yeah, was- we used to always, Urban Dictionary, check it out. Uh, we, in college, we always used to talk about Pennsylvania Pinecone, which is an aggressive one. Uh, urban, Another Urban Dictionary one, speaking of states. I'm looking at uh, it. I'm not going to talk about that on the pod, but if you're interested, go check that out as well. I'm going to look at it. But there are some weird things that you can roll into. Pennsylvania Pinecone? I can't believe you're doing this right now. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah, like I said, dudes are weird. Oh, my God. Why would someone ever want to do that? I mean, there's no way any of this stuff is real, but you can genuinely look up some weird shit at Urban Dictionary. And I've always wondered, do people actually do this? Or is this some weird 13-year-old kid that's just making shit up and posting it on the website? Because there's no way anyone's ever done a Pennsylvania pine cone. It's like legitimately insane. Steve, 100% someone has done this. People, they like some weird stuff. And I'm not even calling it weird because you like what you like. I personally... Judgment-free zone. Judgment-free zone. But I would like to ask someone who partakes in a Pennsylvania pine cone, simply, why? Why? <laughs> Maybe we should have that person on the podcast next. That'll be our next deep dive interview. What do you get out of this? Because it sounds painful. And When did you hear, when did you first hear about this? What, like, why? Yeah. Just why? Just how and why. Please let me know. But, I mean, look up chili dogs, Steve. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. I could only imagine. I'm looking it up now. You can sexualize just about anything, though. Any word, you can be like, oh, that's this weird thing. I feel like almost every term on Urban Dictionary, like somehow normal term, could be turned into something. I'm drinking a green tea right now. I feel like you could totally sexualize green tea. 
Oh, my God, yeah. We should do that. Like, what can't you sexualize? Wait, should we make up something and put it on Urban Dictionary? Should we make up our own gross term? Oh, my God. I just looked up chili dog. It's wow. disgusting. It's, there's no way anyone's ever done that. That's insane. It is sickening. Is, why? Sickening. I don't know. But I guarantee you someone has done it. I guarantee you. Who? That's not fun for either party. Anyone. I don't even know why. That's wild. <laughs> What? Yeah, we should try to pick. Maybe we'll do this on the next pod. We'll try to name just like inanimate objects and see if we could sexualize them or not. No, I think we should do green tea. If you use it in a sentence, use it as a verb like, oh, he green teed her. You could sexualize that in two seconds. That's what I'm saying. We should come up with a definition, though. Especially because tea, tea bag, there's an easy, there's an easy transition. there. I'm looking up green tea. Um, green tea urban dictionary. Yeah, it just is about the actual green tea. It says, a variety of tea named for its green color. Amazingly, this tea is mind-blowingly healthy in about every aspect. It even fights cancer. So I appreciate their top definition. Mm, you could sexualize that very easily. Maybe your Dictionary hasn't lasted onto it yet, but uh, somebody can come up with something. Hold on. What about this? Oh, well, then there's green tea bitch, which is green tea bitch. <laughs> Wait, you should look this up. Oh it refers to a woman who presents herself as innocent, sweet, and kind in order to approach guys who she finds useful, potentially in the sense of money, power, or purely fulfillment. Um, that actually makes sense. I get that. That's a good one. It's not like weirdly sexualized, but green tea bitch, I might start using that from now on. A GTB? Yeah, a GT- oh, she's definitely a GTB. That's basically like, um, that's just like a gold digger in a lot of ways. But now I'm concerned that GTB stands for something else that we're not allowed to use. I mean, any acronym sounds weird now, too. Now now our minds are just completely in the gutter. So anything that we say, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, gross. I'm trying to read why this would be called a green tea bitch, though. Like, what is the origin of this? Because if the woman's presenting herself as innocent, but she's really just using it to get the money and the power from a guy, gold digger applies. Green tea is a great beverage. It's healthy. You can drink it hot. You can drink it cold. You can add a little lemon, a little honey. There's really nothing negative to green tea. Green tea is not pretending to be something that it's not. You know what green tea is. So I don't really understand. Maybe the green tea is in reference to money. Oh, wait. There's actually more to the definition. I had to read further. Okay, tell me. This is the green tea part. Yet this woman is actually calculating and all her good qualities are fake merely in order to appeal to the guy. This woman uses many methods to achieve her goal, usually involves lying and being immoral. That's the bitch part. Well, it doesn't really explain it either. This explains nothing about green tea. Strongly implies that this woman wants to intervene and destroy existing relationships. Where's the green? Yeah, I don't understand the green tea part. Green tea is great. Good for you. Wait, here is the sentence. Can I use green tea bitch in a sentence for you? (laughs) Please do. This girl called Rebecca is sending my husband her naked pictures, and she was so hurt after I forced my husband to break it off with her. Now she's visiting my husband in Boston this May. What a green tea bitch. (laughs) I still don't understand what green tea has to do with it, but I love the example in the sentence. I still have no idea, but now we're going to use this term in our daily lives. Green tea bitch is our new thing. And we also have a new feature that we're going to start doing every single day, which or every single podcast, which is the small talk urban dictionary word or phrase of the day. Oh, man. Do we have to? Yes. I mean, it doesn't always have to be sexual. Like, green tea, bitch. Like, what is this random urban dictionary thing? We now are educated, and I want to use that in a sentence. I'm trying to think of who in my life would be a green tea, bitch. I don't know. I'll think about it, but I don't know. 
I'm going to go ahead and wager that you don't know any green tea bitches because you would not tolerate a green tea bitch. Uh, yes, but that doesn't mean I don't know one. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. We'll marinate I on love it, it. and circle back. Anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, well, let's close this out on a less perverted and disgusting note and talk about something super positive and super chill. Saruti was driving out to Cape Cod because he's fancy like that and loves the East Coast. He was driving out with Maddie and they were listening to a beach playlist. And so he and I started talking about the ultimate songs to listen to at the beach. And Steve, lay out your idea. Yeah, so uh, one of the bands that I had on this playlist that was probably had many songs on our on our way up, I'm like, man, this is such good beach music. I could just picture myself on this thing. It gave me this idea that we should do something called Small Talk Playlist, which we give you a scenario or a setting where, you know, okay, uh, it's a beach or, like, you're snowed in or whatever. There's a million different ones. And we're going to start with beach, and we're going to give you the five songs that we think absolutely have to be on your playlist for that specific scenario. This will be a collaboration, but is this to also yeah, see who, who has the best five, though? So I know you're going to beat me in the beach one. I just say this right off the bat. You're a classic girl, and I know you're going to go to some classic beach. I think. I'm not going to try to put words in your mouth, but I think you're going to pick some classic beach songs. Mine are a little bit more off the radar. I'm more trying to educate people of, like, you should have this on your playlist. Because my oldest song is from 1999. Most of my songs are pretty new. I don't have... Bob Marley on there. I don't have Tom Petty's. I don't have Beach Boys. I'm not a Buffett guy, like hard pass or me on anything, Jimmy Buffett. I don't need songs to hit me over the head with Beach Lingo. So I'm more trying to like educate people in this. And my five songs are all very different from very different genres because I want to like, make sure I'm encompassing everyone at this party or at the beach. So I think you might beat me in this. Um, and that's okay. Like we'll do a poll. And if you beat me, that's fine. But I love my list of five. I love my list of five, too. And, Steve, I swear to God, if you put a Third Eye Blind song on this playlist, I'm going to kill you. Well, we'll just have to wait and find out. I was making this list, and I'm like, is Steve just going to put five Third Eye Blind songs on here just to piss me off? I mean, you could. You easily could. But I didn't. I did not do that. Okay. So who wants to go first? Because we'll give the song, and then we'll give the reasoning why. Well, it's a great transition because why don't I just go first? Yes, my first song, please. and I did mine actually in a little bit of an order because I think a good, for every good playlist, and like five songs isn't really a playlist, but I'm trying to go with some ebbs and flows here because I think every good playlist needs to have some highs and some lows. you got to start off with Never Let You Go by Third Eye Blind. Absolute classic. Oh, my God. Fun fact. Fun fact as soon as this song, as, I'm sorry, as soon as spring hits and it's nice enough to put your windows down, the first thing I put out of my car is Third Eye Blind song because they get you ready for summer. They put you in a great mood. They give you this awesome feeling that the sun's going to be out and you're going to start drinking some Bud Lights by the pool or at the beach or whatever. It's amazing. So never let you go. Third Eye Blind has to be on your beach playlist. As soon as that guitar riff hits, and you know what I'm talking about. It's a great guitar riff. You want to just slam some Bud Lights and jump into the waters. So I led with this one because it's kind of like a tone setter for your entire playlist. You start off with this song and you never look back. How did I know that you were going to do this to me? How did I know? You know me too well. We know each other too well. You know me too well. I know. Well. It's so weird. But I also could not disagree with this pick more. This is your Massachusetts pick of the playlist set up here. Never Let You Go, it sounds like me with allergies. It's like a nasally melody. I don't even like that song. Ah, I knew you were going to hate this song. I don't think you're going to like the songs on my playlist. I don't. I wonder if you're going to like the songs on my playlist, because just like with the draft, Steve, I came with a specific strategy here, okay? So when I thought about the beach, I said to myself, wow, okay, if we're talking California beach, that's a certain vibe. If we're talking 
Hamptons, Cape Cod, East Coast, Maryland totally. Beach, different vibe from California. If we're talking Mexico, I'm on spring break with my girls, separate vibe. There's so many different beach scenarios. So what I did was I picked a song that I thought was representative of five different beach scenarios, and then I built them into a crescendo. So we're going to go chill to kind of middling to, okay, we're partying. So keep that in mind as I give you my picks. I'm glad you have a strategy to this because I do as well. I think it's very important. Your strategy is to pick terrible songs. So my first pick. You've only heard one. Give it a chance. You know what? I don't need to hear any more. I already know that you've lost this. I don't need to hear any more that you came in hot with Third Eye Blind. And you picked it number one. You didn't even try to sneak it in. No, no, no. no, no. It's not my number one song. It's the song that I start my playlist off with. That's what I'm I'm saying. You know what I mean? I don't have them in any particular order like of how I like them. I just feel like that's a great one. You start it off. It's a banger. Everyone's in a good mood. And it sets the tone for the rest of your beach day. Ugh. Yeah, it sets a terrible tone. Okay, my first beach song, I thought about California. And I love that surfer vibe in California is so specific. So I went with a classic L.A. beach band in Best Coast. And they have a lot of great songs. Boyfriend is one of my favorite jams of all time. But I went with Best Coast, Feeling Okay, for my California beach selection. I don't even know what that song is. Sorry. At least you know what my first song is. Maybe I should know. And I'm, I didn't. Like, I'm, like I said, I'm open to knowing new songs, but I don't even know what that song is. I'm going to play it for you. And you said you wanted this to be educational. And so a lot of people who don't know Best Coast are going to cue this up and be like, this is great. That song sounds like it would be in an Abercrombie and Fitch store. Oh, like, literally. my God. No, it does not. They play hardcore techno <laughs> I mean, and they assault your face with cologne. They were playing techno in Abercrombie, not Best Coast. They're not that cool. I mean, I haven't been to Abercrombie in a while, but we're talking Abercrombie like two thousand, you know, high school, late high school, whatever, early college. That sounds like that song would be playing in Abercrombie when I bought cargo shorts. Better than Third Eye Blind. Okay, your next pick. <laughs> All right. I think you'll vibe with this one. Okay. Um, okay. okay, so my first my first Third Eye Blind, that's my alt-pop one. My second one is the rap hip-hop genre. Love it. I went with a Drake song. Oh, okay. Cool. And I think there are so many Drake songs you could pick, like Passion Fruit, sneaky, underrated, unbelievable beat song. Love one it. Dance, also a great beat song. But those I didn't go with those. I went with, off of the album Views, Controller. Now, that song, it teeters on the line of chill and ready to turn up. It's almost got like a tropical island beat to it. It's impossible to not listen to that song and not feel cool. It's got an air horn in it. It's easy to sing along to. So Controller, for me, second song on your playlist, kind of gets you hyped up a little bit. Maybe you're drinking a little bit faster. Maybe you're feeling that suntan lotion chicken in. You're ready to go in the water. Controller, to me, the vibe of that song is absolutely perfect for the beach. I'm not surprised you picked this because you loved the Views album. You loved it way more than I did. Love that album. Way more than I did. But we're making progress. Controller, certainly better than your first pick. I knew you'd like that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't love Controller. It's not even in my top ten. Oh best Drake songs, but I don't hate it. You know the other ones I mentioned, Passion Fruit, One Dance, would you put those higher? I think you could pick a bunch of different Drake songs because they all have that like awesome chill vibe to them, especially the ones where he's singing. But I went with Controller because I think that one most people probably know. If you subbed in Passion Fruit, I wouldn't be mad at you. One Dance would have been a really good beach song. I agree. I agree. Okay, so for my second selection, I said, okay, we went Cali Vibes with Best Coast. Now we're going to the East Coast. I love the band Beach House. They are from Baltimore, and they have a lot of great songs, but I picked Silver Soul by Beach House to represent my East Coast beach vibe. 
Okay. Uh, so I thought I was going to be the one that was kind of weird and picked some songs that people didn't know. I have no idea who this is. No idea. But it's called Beach House, so I guess that checks off the list of Beachy. I am shocked that you're going a little off the reservation here. Yeah. I thought you would stick to classics. Well, the next three you'll definitely know. Beach House. Sonically, both of these songs to me represent the vibe of a California beach or an East Coast beach. When you listen to Silver Soul by Beach House, to me, this is the song you listen to at the very end of a beach day as you're like sandy and you're packing up all of your stuff in the bag and the sun is setting and you know you're going to go home and have a shower beer and eat a dinner off the grill with your friends. And I think you're going to like this song once you listen to it, Steve. Currently listening to it now. I know you guys can't hear it. We can't really play the songs on the pod. We don't have the rights to them, so sorry. But you could just, we'll make a playlist of this or something yeah. where you can well, check them out on Spotify. I'm listening to it now. I can vibe with this. This is a good song. I'm not sure it would be in my top five, but I understand why you picked this song. Very weird indie. And I have a weird indie song coming up. But this is a good vibe. I could be down with this. Okay, good. I'm glad you like it. And check out a lot of their other stuff. They're really good. You'll like them. Once you get into Beach House and Best Coast, they have a lot of good songs. A lot of deep tracks. I'm glad you're doing this because I, I wanted this to be educational. I want I people to find new music. So even if you don't necessarily know the song, check it out. Add it to your playlist. Even if I lose the vote to you and people think your playlist is better, I don't care as long as I'm giving people good songs. So, all right, want me to do my next one? Yeah, go ahead. This one I think you're going to like. And it's a little bit weird. And I don't even know if it's like a true beach song, but I want this on my beach playlist. And it's All My Favorite People by Maren Morris. Great song. You like that? It's a great song. It's my favorite song. I think it's my favorite song. Her album, Girl, is one of my favorite albums of the last five years, easily. Front to back, I don't skip any songs on that album. If you haven't heard that album, I'm not even that into country music. You know, she's like country poppy. I'm I'm not even sure what her genre is. She's very chill. But her album, Girl, absolutely go ahead and listen to it. And all my favorite people, I mean, this is like a country banger. I could have gone with a Zach Brown band song, and I know they probably dominate this space, like Toes or Chicken Fried or whatever, and those are all fine. But... I'm going with this Maren, Maren Morris song for my country vibe because this song is an elite sing-along jam. I mean, the Osborne brothers are in it as well. It's got a great guitar riff to it. And this is the part of the playlist when it's the get your keys out because we're going to start shotgunning beers vibe because people are ready to get weird. I mean, this entire song is basically about getting after it with your friends. And you just can't be in a, in a bad mood listening to the song. It gets you hyped up. It gets you ready for the day. It's about midway point when you're probably almost drunk at that point, And everyone's just singing together. So all my favorite people, Maren Morris, check out that song and check out everything she's done because she's great. She's outstanding. One of the best concerts I've ever been to. She killed it live. And this is a great song. I would have gone more lake vibe with that pick, but I'm also not mad at it at the beach. It's water appropriate. It's water appropriate. It's water adjacent. It's water adjacent. So you mentioned Zach Brown Band, and I have six songs on my list. I know we only have to give five, but based on what you were doing, I was going to throw in Toes, a little ZBB Toes. So maybe we just add that as like the cherry on top, and that's not one of our five picks. I think people already know that. I'm not going to put Margarita Bill on here. Like everybody knows, first off, I don't like that song. As I said, I don't like Jimmy Buffett, but everybody knows that song. So I don't think that that's like almost cheating to put that on your playlist. But I'm saying you're going to get five, I'm going to get five, and why don't we just throw in one that everybody knows and loves, yeah. a classic beach song, and we can add it at the end yeah. so we'll have 11 songs. Okay, that's fair. Because we can both agree on it. Toes is a great jam. Great beach jam. Yes. Okay. So this is where I go classic. So we've got West Coast beach vibe. We've got East Coast beach vibe. I need a vacation beach vibe. And nothing screams, I've got 
a Miami Vice or a pina colada in my hand and I don't have to check my work email for seven to ten days more than Bob Marley, could you be loved? Because any vacation oh. spot, any hotel, you're going to the beach, you're going to the pool, they're playing that song. And even though you've heard it a million times, when you're in the vacation beach vibe setting, it hits different. So I'm throwing it on there. I wrote this song down. As I said in my preamble, like I didn't want to put a Bob Marley song on there because I just feel like that's the go-to thing. I'm not even knocking you for it, but the song that I literally had was Could You Be Loved. Oh. It's, it's, it's to me his best song, Three Little Birds. Uh, Jammin's obviously going to be one that's way up there, One Love, all that. Could You Be Loved is my favorite Bob Marley song, so I 100% get, that's 100% get the, the Saruti stamp of approval. Love that song. I love how we started off at such odds, and now we're coming together, and we're building this <laughs> playlist together. We're working. We're coming across yep, the aisle, we're Steve. There. We'll we're, get there eventually. We're coming across the aisle. We're meeting in the middle. I've got two songs left, and I think this one you're probably going to laugh at me and hate, and the last one I think you're going to really love. So I'll do the one that I think you're going to hate first. You have completely nailed it with there are very different beach vibes to the places you're at, the people that you're with, whether you're with family, whether you're people that are trying to get after it, doing box shots or whatever, fireball at the beach. That's a whole different vibe. The next vibe I'm going for is kind of like bougie, chill vibe. Oh. And it's not for everyone. This is more of a Cape Cod Hampton vibe versus a Jersey Shore vibe. Okay. okay. And my next song is, oddly enough, titled Cape Cod Quasa Quasa by Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend is underrated. They are an elite, elite beach band. You wouldn't think they are, but they really are. It's impossible to listen to this song and not be in a good mood. I went with this song. I mean, there are literally dozens of Vampire Weekend songs that I picked, but I went with this one because of the Cape Cod, obviously, vibes. But as I mentioned, very specific vibe. You need to be in Cape Cod. You need to be in the Hamptons, in one of those sort of bougie places to sort of enjoy this. But it's, if you want bubbly, happy, it's got bongos in it, make sure you check out Cape Cod Quasa Quasa Vampire Weekend. You will not be happy. I don't think I've ever talked to you. We've talked about Vampire Weekend on the pod, and I yeah. forget if you like them or not, but they're, they're genuinely one of my favorite bands. I do like them, and I think this is a good pick by you. Wow, I'm surprised. I thought you'd hate this. No, I don't hate it. I mean, it's certainly would never be something that I would choose. But if it came on the speakers in the Hamptons and I'm drinking some Wolf or Rosé, I'm going to vibe yeah. with it. I'm going to vibe with it. This is a fancy beach type of vibe. And I'll tell you this, whenever I go to Cape Cod, I instantly put on Vampire Weekend and just go shuffle. And you, it is the perfect setting music for being in the Cape or being in one of those type of places where there are white sandy beaches, mansions everywhere. You're not going to put this on when you go to the Jersey Shore and do ridiculous whatever. A debauchery like this is a classy sort of beach vibe and it's not for everybody but i think it needs to be included on my beach playlist okay good pick so my next beach scenario it's got to be a boat if you're going to the beach you want to get on a boat right and i thought about what are the tunes that you want to listen to on a boat and when you're on a boat you don't want to go best coast you don't want to go beach house you don't want to go bob marley at least I don't. My friends and I, when we get on a boat, we're taking it up a notch. We're throwing in some beats. We're throwing in some stuff that we're going to have a few drinks to, and we're going to dance on a boat. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to get weird. It's for sure going to get weird, without a doubt. You've already accepted that it's going to get weird. And this song is more of an early day boat song than a late night boat song. This is not an end of the day boat song. I'm going Sam Felt, Show Me Love EDX Remix. Everyone can sing along to it. Everyone is dancing. It's got a great beat. And you can just close your eyes and picture yourself sitting on a boat with the wind in your hair, listening to this, and you're like, yes, life is good. So wouldn't have been the one I would have went with. And this is kind of an EDM vibe. I don't actually really have a true EDM song on my playlist, but I'm glad that you did because I do think it is kind of necessary. It just kind of got left out of mine. But 
I initially wrote down Lean On by Major Lazer. Great one. Like a, this is a beach song, period. Like you put this on, you're happy. And it just missed my cut. So I'm glad that we have the EDM stuff represented because you definitely need it. And that is a good song, but it, wasn't, it wouldn't be the one that I would pick. I didn't want to go super heavy bass. I didn't want to go Jersey Shore. As you can tell, I'm building up. I'm going, okay, this is definitely, we're on a bike beach cruiser in California and we're building up. So this was my, it's techno, it's danceable. We can all still sing along to it. And it doesn't sound like we have a woofer in the trunk. Yeah, it's not like, uh, I don't know, you're not playing like Lil John Get Low. It's not something like that. Yeah, it's not be a be Turn up, but not belligerent. Yeah. Yeah, belligerent. Underused word, belligerent. <laughs> belligerent. I mean, I feel like the only time you use belligerent is when you're talking about drunk people. Totally. Uh, all right, I'll close it out. I think you're going to love this one. And this is a little bit off the radar. And it's kind of in the EDM realm. It's kind of in the R&B realm. And this, to me, might be the best song on the entire playlist. And it is Joshua Tree by Cautious Clay. So I don't really know how mainstream Cautious Clay is. And I know you know him. Maddie, my wife, introduced me to this song. I I knew one of his other songs from, from the FIFA 20 soundtrack. If you don't know and you don't listen to Cautious Clay, you're doing it wrong. He is an unbelievable artist. But the song Joshua Tree is genuinely one of the best songs that I've heard in a decade. As I said, a little bit of R&B, a little bit of EDM. And the thing about this song, is it's not like a hype song, but when the beat drops on this song, you are transported to paradise. Like you are instantly just in a beautiful place. Your mind is straight. You feel like you're in Fiji just hanging out, like living the freaking life. Joshua Tree, Cautious Clay, this is a must-have on a playlist. And you know what the good thing about this, too, is because he's kind of off the radar, a lot of your friends might not know this song or know who it is, but as soon as they hear it, they're going to instantly think you're cooler because this song is unbelievable. Trust me, they're going to be like, oh, my God, you have such a great musical taste. Where did you find this guy? So your friends are going to like you more, and it's going to put everybody in great mood. Joshua Tree, Cautious Clay. Great song. I wouldn't have put it necessarily in the beach space, but it's one of those songs that I could listen to anywhere and have a good time. Fair. Very fair. Do you feel as strongly as I feel about that song? First time I heard this song, I'm like, why is this not the biggest song in the world? It is so well done. The harmonizing, his voice is great. Think of like Khalid, like a little bit more EDM, like a little bit more, not as much R&B. I'm not even kidding. It transports you to paradise. That's what I think about when I listen to the song. And who doesn't want to be transported to paradise? Am I right? Exactly. All right. Well, I feel a lot of pressure closing this out because this is the pick that was my nostalgia pick and it's my party pick, but it's beach specific and I don't think you're going to like it. Of all the songs that I picked, I knew you probably wouldn't know Best Coast or Beach House, but I think once you listen to the bands, you'll like it. So we got, again, to revisit it, we've got our West Coast, we've got our East Coast, we've got our boat song, we've got our vacation beach song. We need the party spring break song, right? And when I think Mm -hmm. back to a young Michelle, a college-age Michelle, who had been eating only broccoli for about two weeks and working out, and getting a spray tan so that she could go to spring break. It was for that point in the night when you've had a lot of cocktails, your skin is a little tender because it's gotten burnt, and you're at a club in Acapulco, and they play this song. And I'm going with Bob Sinclair, Love Generation. Don't you give me that disapproving sigh. You pick Third Eye Blind. I can get in a little Bob Sinclair. Hold on. I need to listen to this song. I need to be familiarized with it. Hold on. I get why you put this on your playlist. It's got a happy vibe. There's whistling going on. (laughs) And I wouldn't even be mad. I'm not even mad it's on my playlist. You could have given me 100 choices and this wouldn't have made my list. 
But can't you see that it's going to elevate your mood? Again, whistling. Who doesn't want to whistle? A lot of whistling. Tons of whistling. Maybe too much whistling. But, Arguably too much, yes. You know what? If you say argue, if you say it's too much, I'm not going to fight you on that point. There's a ton of whistling. <laughs> Basically, the entire song is the same <laughs> lyrics and whistling, but it makes you happy. And you have to think about if you're in an altered state. You've got tan lines. You drank frozen drinks during the day. You had a shower beer or two. Then you went out to dinner and you had some margaritas. Now you're at a club and they're playing this song. And it's not too heavy, but it's going to make you happy. And you're going to be like, yes, I'm a college kid with zero responsibilities. Yes. But you know what I think about when I think about this song is if it comes on and I'm at like a beach bar or something, you describe the scenario you just described. You, know, you took a shower, you're a little bit sunburned. Um, you got a few cocktails in you, maybe a shower beer. This song comes on and I don't even realize it's on. It fits the mood. Certainly, like, I'm not going to be like, what the hell is this song? But it's almost like background noise. It's not good enough for me to really notice, oh, my God, this is a great beat song. So while it fits in the category, I don't think it's a standout song. And, yes, I think there's just too much whistling. <laughs> the other song from my spring break that will always stick with me, and I thought this was far too aggressive to throw on the beach playlist, was Sex, Drugs, and House. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? That's a better one. Yes, I would have approved of that song. That's a good one. Really? I thought you were going to say, I'm sorry. Who do you think you are, Fratastic? We are not doing sex, drugs, and house on the beach playlist. No, I get the great vibe. Again, specific vibe, a great vibe. I mean, that's better than Bob Sinclair. No disrespect to Love Generation and Bob Sinclair, but I just feel like that is background music. I don't even notice that's happening. No one at the beach, when, if, you, if you get out your you know, portable speaker and you hook the Bluetooth up and you put that on, is going, wow, great choice. They're just going to kind of ignore it and have a good time. I disagree, because anytime I play that song with my friends, it still slaps. <laughs> There's no way. You could say a lot of things about that song. Slaps is completely <laughs> the wrong way to describe it. It absolutely slaps. Again, it's... No, it's, Joshua, Joshua Tree slaps. That does not slap. That's just, oh, all right, this is pleasant. I'm going to go on continuing doing something and ignore it. Joshua Tree is, it's a banger, but it's more of a... When I think of Joshua Tree, I think... Again, I'm wearing flannel in the Northeast, and I'm driving, and I'm looking at beautiful trees. I don't think I'm on a beach. Whereas Bob Sinclair, when you listen to Love Generation and you hear that whistle kick in, you don't think about anything but the beach. Uh, you know what? Let's let the people decide. I have a feeling that people are going to like Joshua Tree a little bit more. Can I tell you one other song that I thought about? Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote down so many. I don't want to say them because we want to stick to five, but this was actually genuinely really difficult to whittle it down to five. So hard. I really wanted to include a song with heavy steel drums. And I thought about PIMP, oh, yeah. 50 Cent. And then I Googled. Oh, I had, good call. I had Googled steel drums and Red Red Wine came up, UB40. And I thought, how pissed will Steve be if I put a UB40 song on my playlist? Yeah, I mean, that would not be ideal for sure. But um, I could get down with PIMP. It, again, wouldn't be a top choice of mine. But if it was on a beach playlist, I'd be like, all right, this makes sense. P.I.M.P., if you're at a beach house with your friends and that comes on and everyone's just drinking Fireball, like getting after it like it's college, hell yeah. You drink Fireball at the beach? Oh, my God. In college? Ew. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had Fireball in probably a decade, but well, yeah, of course. That, PBR, somebody's probably making jungle juice. A warm PBR, oh, PBR on the I love beach? PBR. PBR, underrated. That is disgusting. No, PBR is underrated. There was a time when we, I think it was like five of us went to the Cape. It was awesome. It was great. We literally got like three 30 racks, 
of PBR. And the guy at the liquor store was just like, what the hell are you doing by 3.30 racks of PBR? And I was like, dude, don't ask any questions. It's going to get really weird this weekend. And honestly, that was the weekend I fell in love with PBR. I think our beach booze selections are very indicative of our beach song selections. Because while you're... Oh, yeah, you're rosé all the way for sure, right? Uh, definitely rosé or like a margarita or a drink that comes in a coconut. Sign me up. If it's a drink with a coconut or a drink with an umbrella, I am in. I love a frozen drink, high calories, lots of sugar. So you got to be careful okay. with you're those. Okay, you're on vacation. Right, but a lot of times they taste really good, but they're not as effective, You know, if you know what I mean. You know, you could pound three or four pina coladas and then be like, I don't feel drunk and I just ate my caloric intake for the next two days. Yeah, you strike me as either like a rosé, hard mixed drink, or White Claw. This is going to shock you. I'm not big into White Claw. Mm. It's not shocking because I understand why, but I don't dislike like it. a white girl in you playing into the stereotype. White girls love, love White Claws. Come on. I don't dislike it. I'll drink it, but it's not even in my Mount Rushmore of summer drinks that I want to have. I'm kind of with you on that. I think they're very overrated. I think because they're not beer, people are like, oh, my goodness. But I actually think a lot of them kind of taste bad, genuinely. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. And Steve is going to tweet out, and I guess we can share it on Instagram, to the link to the Spotify playlist. And if if anyone has any suggestions of songs that they would like to add, hit us up. Maybe leave us a review, and we will consider the song. We'll put it out to the people, and we'll add it to the playlist. And speaking of reviews, Steve, would you like to hear one? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, if you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podcast One, wherever you consume your podcast. Find Small Talk, search for it, subscribe to it, and rate it, preferably five stars. Leave a review. Like our friend Bruce, we've gotten a few reviews, Steve, on the state draft, which shouldn't surprise you. What's up, Bruce? Yeah, of course. I mean, that was probably, I'd imagine people were the most interested in giving their opinion on that episode, on that episode versus anything we've ever done. So what did Bruce have to say? I'm interested. Bruce says eight picks in, five stars. Five stars. The state draft pod is exactly what I'm looking for out of you guys. I love that you can hear how much fun Michelle and Sarudi are having. Keep drafting. I'm thinking exploration teams. It's okay, it's eleven hundred AD and you need to find and civilize a new land. You guys are both so great, but I'm team foliage all the way. Bruce, she had me until the end. Yes. Shout out to Bruce. Wait, I'm confused about his idea though. He wants us to draft what? Exploration teams? Like Lewis and Clark? Other than Lewis and Clark, do we know an exploration team? I mean, you know, we could talk about Columbus, although, you know, highly controversial, probably wouldn't pick him super high. Uh, What else? You know, Napoleon, I don't know, got conquered in different places. Uh, Who else? I could put together a good big board of explorers. Um, Off the top of my head, it might be tough. I'm just not sure that many people would be interested in that. But, Bruce, honestly, I like the enthusiasm. I like the creativity. But um, maybe we'll do – I mean, we talked about doing countries – I don't know if we'll do that so soon after we do states, but I think we'll throw in a draft every once in a while and get a little bit weird. That'll be fun. I'm surprised if you didn't go Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. Great call. Yes, absolutely. There's a ton. I just don't know if our audience is super into the early, you know, American or even, you know, whatever, medieval, even before that, explorers exploring the new world. I could be wrong. I could be misreading our audience, but I'm just, I'm not sure they're probably into that. I think the next draft we do, we either do the country draft and we each get 10 picks or I think we do something super random, like a fruit draft. I think fruit draft would be super fun and super controversial. My friends and I, because you know there's like that tier website where you could put everything into tiers and then it sends you like a PDF picture and you can show your friends. I'm unaware, um, but I will check it out. Oh, it's amazing. You just put everything into tiers. It's great. 
Uh, we did that a while back where we put all the fruits into tears, and there was so much disagreement. I think the most controversial one was maybe cantaloupe, which I could totally see. Cantaloupe is, I'm sure that's all over the map. People either love it or hate it. But a fruit draft, think about, I think people might even probably argue about that more than, than picking states. Because people are serious about their fruit. People are very opinionated about their fruit. So I'm into a fruit draft. I'd be into a vegetable draft. I'd be into a country draft. I'm all in for drafting. So whatever it is, I mean, like I said, send us some suggestions. Maybe the stuff we're not even thinking of, but we are open to doing this more in the future. Yes, yeah, send us your draft suggestions. Clearly, we will do it, and we'll take it far too seriously. We'll do more playlist stuff, too. I don't think we'll do it every show, but we do want to do more scenarios. We'll do, like, log cabin playlists. We'll do, I don't know, like, Fourth of July playlists, stuff like that, like random things where we'll give you five songs that have to be on your playlist. So look for that, too. Next week, we need to do Fourth of July. Yeah, I guess that's really, that's kind of our window. After that, we're probably done for yes. the year. So let's capitalize on that. We'll do Fourth of July in August. In November for your birthday, Fourth of July playlist. Shouts out America. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Bruce. Anyway. Oh my God, so much! It'll just be ten Bruce Springsteen songs. You're totally right. Right? Yeah, just Spotify and shuffle Bruce Springsteen songs. All right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Anthony for putting this together. Thank you, Steve, as always, for doing this. We will be back in action next week. But until then. I won the state draft. Uh, no, you didn't. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.